Welcome listeners to Connect the Dots. I'm Allison Rose-Levy, and we're here every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Progressive Radio Network. I'm a longstanding journalist of the environment, health, food, public policy, and media critic and promoter of advocacy. Uh, Each week on Connect the Dots, we connect the dots between what's going on um, in our greater environment, our society, our communities, planet Earth, and how that connects to personal and public health. Uh, The show's been on the air for 11 years, and today um, I am delighted to uh, welcome back um, a returning guest, Lulu Freestadt, um, who is the co-founder and president of Smart Elections. She's a longstanding journalist also who uh, has really been working on the election integrity front uh, to get us, uh, you know, elections that work, and she's been on the program several times discussing that. Um, with her is her husband of just about a year, um, Joe Illich. He is the co-managing editor of Heavy Metal Magazine, as well as a writer and reporter at Humanoids, and he's actually got a long history um, in communications and in, uh, in, in various kinds of incredibly creative work. Um, and, 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 and as I mentioned, um, Joe and Lulu are a married couple. They've been married for just about a year, and, you know, he, and they're New York City residents, and we're going to be discussing discussing um, some power, a powerful journey that they've just been through together um, that really is uh, a tale for our time, and I want to welcome them um, to Connect the Dots. Uh, so really delighted to have you here um, in health and uh, in connection to share with our listeners your recent journey, um, Lulu and Joe. Thanks so much, Allison. It's great to be with you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, so um, I'm not going to give a lot of preliminaries here, but, you know, we're in the time of COVID. New York City, Brooklyn, New York, where you guys reside is, and so do I for that matter, um, is, you know, a, a bit of a hot spot for the coronavirus. Um you know, do you, do you have any preliminaries in terms of any of your own attitudes and beliefs about uh, what was going on or whether it was kind of high on your radar or low on your radar, you know, like a month or two back, you know, before the journey began, so to speak? I had been working at ABC News, and so I was definitely aware of it. I had done, you know, a fair amount of coverage. We were, by that time, just pretty much devoting the whole show to it. So I was, you know, aware of the spread internationally, that it was starting to penetrate the U.S., that it was very serious. I had seen all the footage of, you know, really, really serious situations in China and in other countries. So I definitely was aware of the import. And then we had started to have, I know uh, before we got it, there we had like, it was like get-togethers in our neighborhood, but everybody was, you know, being socially distant. So we would all sort of gather in front of someone's house, like six feet apart, and, you know, chat and see how everybody was. And I remember, like, in my mind thinking, like, is this, like, the the beginning of the scene in the movie where everybody's sort of casual and having a good time, and at the end of the movie everybody's, like, dead? You know what I mean? Like, you just, like, you just, I think there's just this kind of, 
like dread, this this unknown, like what is going to happen mm-hmm. to us all? Like, are we going to get through this or not? So I think mm-hmm. that's where it was in my mind. It was like a big question mark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I guess we've yeah. all been there. Uh, Joe, anything to add to that? I mean, basically, so we, I mean, you know, Lulu would keep me updated on stuff through her work. I have a regular subscription to the New York Times, so I would read the New York Times every day, which I considered a very good source for chronicling the escalation of the situation, and I am on the mailing list for Governor Cuomo, so I would get the daily updates, the newsletter. So I felt like in January, the situation really seemed to be about preventing travel between the United States and China, but starting in February, there was a very clear escalation. And in regards to New York City in general, that escalation really became exponential because once more testing happened, more cases got discovered, and then the situation just really snowballed from there. So I felt like I did have some kind of an awareness of the of the rate of escalation, which in and of itself was frightening and continues to be frightening. Definitely. Um, So, um, I mean, I mean, one of the things which, you know, you guys just mentioned is this, you know, kind of this dread thing, this uncertainty. And, uh, and then, you know, but I mean, I wouldn't say that I don't know your exact ages, but you know, you're basically, um, on the under end of, you know, young to mature adults, you know, basically. So, you know, you wouldn't have been perceived by anyone to be in a high-risk category, um, you know, to, to, for this to, you know, for you to catch this. So, but catch it you did and you both did. So tell, tell, tell our listeners how that happened. Um, well, I do have a compromised immune system. I have thyroid disorder, which is considered an immune disease. So I definitely was worried. Um, what happened is I had a friend who actually got it very bad very early on. One of the advisors that we work with, um, oh, I have to make a small correction. I'm sorry. I'm not the president of our company, in case our other directors are listening. We have three co-directors. I'm a co-founder, but um, I run the day with okay. I'm not the president. Right. I'm sorry. I have to do that. Okay. So anyway, one of our advisors uh, had gotten deathly ill. He, I mean, I could just tell I was texting him each day, and he was just getting worse and worse. He couldn't, you know, he could hardly move. He was, he was I could just, I was worried he was going to die. And so that Sunday, which was, I think, March 22nd, I went out and I got a whole bunch of, like, kind of, you know, just immune support things for him, vitamin C and Epsom salt bath and different natural things that I thought would help him, some seeds mm-hmm. some flowers, but also some, you know, just, I went to like four or five different health food stores, small stores, people were packed in close together and no one was wearing masks. I wasn't wearing a mask because at that time the CDC was not recommending that people wear masks. And then 
even our news channel, ABC News, had had two separate medical professionals on saying, don't wear masks, they won't help you, and you need to save them for medical professionals. So both Joseph and I went out that Sunday. I went to a bunch of different stores. We both went grocery shopping and got a bunch of, you know, supplies, groceries. We knew that we might have to stay in. And we got sick immediately. (laughs) By Monday, we were both sick. I remember Joseph was lying in the hallway, like howling, making this noise that was so frightening. And um, I'll let him tell you about it. It was, it was frightening. Right. So basically um, I woke up thinking that I had food poisoning because I was suffering from nausea, um, vertigo, and an unusual degree of bowel movement, and I had not experienced those three symptoms in conjunction since I was 20 years old. I'm now 50, and to kind of double back and speak about risk categories, um, I just turned 50 last year. I'm African-American, and the media, at the very least, is identifying black and Latinx communities as being high risk. And 50 to me is like the demarcation line heading towards what society would call elderly. I'm not elderly by any stretch of the imagination, but basically that's a line there. So I do consider myself um, higher than normal risk. So I had those three symptoms and by Monday night, um, I was able to get past them, but for the following three days, I was suffering from extreme fatigue. I would take naps at different types in the day, and that's something that I don't do. I I really enjoy the daytime, so taking a nap during the day is anathema to me, and this was becoming regular behavior. It was hilarious, Allison, actually. I mean, not in, like, in retrospect, I... At the time, for, we didn't know that Joseph had COVID. Like, we both thought he had food poisoning, although he, he, was, he was horribly sick and it was frightening. But he said, I have food poisoning. And, but then, he, so he was, he was working those days, but then I would just find him in all these different weird locations. Like, I would find him in the guest bedroom asleep, or I would find him in the bedroom asleep, or I would find him, like, on the couch asleep, like a cat almost, like, all over the apartment just napping and and after a few days of this, I was like, no, something is really wrong. This is not food poisoning. And, and we definitely realized that he had it. And then he got, and then he got so bad that it was really clear because he was just so, so tired. And I texted his, um, his bosses and said, Joseph's not working now. He has to rest. Right. So once that happened, you know, then we adopted a different mode. And both Lulu and I had it, but... You know, I seemed to have a worse case. I had um, diarrhea. I had the muscles and ache, muscular and aches and pains, and also fevers, so terrible fevers. And so at that point, I just had to go off grid, like Lulu said. I had to stop working with all of my clients. I had to back away from any kind of social media, email. I wasn't even engaging in text with people. So I basically disappeared um, from my life with no warning. And so Lulu, as she said, you know, contacted um, the heads of my clients and let them know the situation. 
And then from there on, life totally changed. It really became about, um, I mean, I was bedridden from that Thursday, the 26th, until I feel the Tuesday of the following week. Does that sound right? Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, it was about five or six yeah. days he, st- he stayed in bed. And then I think we very deliberately stayed off social media and just really tried to turn the home into a place of respite. We kept, you know, mm-hmm. things very calm, calm music sometimes or quiet. And I encouraged, we both actually took Epsom salt baths and really just tried to sleep. I, especially at that point, Joseph had it worse than me. I was still working through most of the time that I had it. I worked at least part time. And um, cause I just had, my work is, is very important to me and we're in a, a stuff where a lot of stuff's happening with the elections now. So, and in the beginning, I wasn't that badly impacted. I was able to keep working. Um, I sort of, mine kind of came and went in waves. So I had sort of what I considered almost kind of like a light wave. And I've heard people say, you know, that they just didn't have, weren't that symptomatic. And that's kind of how I experienced it initially. And then later mm-hmm. I just, I was exhausted and had to completely go to bed. But luckily we had that exhaustion at different times. So that, like, when he was really out of it, I was able to take care of him and keep, like, stoops going and teas and, you know, keep us really hydrated and keep us taking, like, zinc and anything that seemed to be important, like, naturally, natural supplements. And and then it flipped, and eventually I was working, you know, almost back to working full time, and then it just, like, I got another wave of it, and I just... I was out for days. I was just like so fatigued. And then Joseph really took care of me and he would say, you need to take a bath and bring me tea and stuff like that. But we kept things like very quiet and very tried to just make everything restful and, and peaceful so that we could really, really just deep, deep rest. Mm. Were you having any of the uh, respiratory symptoms or congestion or anything like that? I wasn't suffering from shortness of breath, thankfully, so mm-hmm. that was good. Um, I think I feel like the worst symptom I had was the fevers. The fevers were so bad that even when I thought I broke it, you know, usually you have a fever, you get chills. You you get the sweats, you break it, and you're fine. But I found that I kept sweating through the night, changing my clothes three and four different times. And then at one point I took Tylenol thinking that would help, and it actually oh, made it worse. The Tylenol mm-hmm. made it worse. It's as if the Tylenol threw my body into hyperdrive and I was sweating more. So... As Lulu pointed out, we were mostly taking um, natural things to um, help our body's immune system. That was the one over-the-counter thing that I took. And after that, I totally wrote that off and stayed on a 100% natural diet um, that Lulu set up for us. And so, you know, I had the worst symptoms from... I'd say Thursday, March 26th until Tuesday the 31st. And then the next week for me was really, wow, it was really just 
trying to get back some type of energy because it totally depletes you. It saps all of your energy. And some of that energy is, um, it connects to psychological motivation. So, mm-hmm. you know, the whole experience definitely puts you through a range of emotions and, mm-hmm. um, and it's not easy to just, flip a switch and decide that you want to get back to moving. You know, Mm -hmm. I had been in bed for most of a week. So after that, I kind of just wanted to remain like, like sedentary. Um, And I didn't, I didn't have much of an appetite. So that was the next stage that I had to go through, which was kind of clawing myself back up to, wanting to do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think do for you, me, you, like, yeah. that was like the scariest part for me was just seeing Joseph so kind of like, I don't know how to say this, the, the, the person that I knew, like my husband, just kind of faded into the background. I couldn't really see him there there was just this person in the bedroom who was like really just like sensitive to touch to any kind of you know like the the touch of the his shirt or what sweater he got offered or and like kind of grumpy and um like not like the things that I know about him his sense of humor his sense of ambition his drive his you know his vast information like all of that just was kind of gone and there was just kind of this like this exhausted shell of like the person that I knew. And it was, it was, it was scary. It was definitely scary to experience that. And then I was just like, well, I'm going to take care of this shell and and my husband is going to come back. (laughs) And that is what happened, but it was, it was scary to experience that. Do do you, did you, we, we haven't talked about um, how you caught this or if you know how you may have caught it or anything, or whether you both kind of had the same strain of it or similar symptoms, you know, those are kind of two things I was wondering about. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the things that it came down to is I feel like I was too reliant on the information that was provided by institutions to determine my mode of behavior. So initially... Mm -hmm. The Center for Disease Control basically said that if you didn't have COVID-19, you wearing a mask was not going to protect you from getting it. It was for the people who had it that it was crucial that they wear masks so as to, to some degree, block what they're putting out from outside society, but also so that they don't touch their face, right? So right. I, went that, with yeah. that, I went with that mode of behavior and did not wear a mask. So even engaging in social distancing and things of that nature, I was still out there exposed. And so mm-hmm. I believe that it was that behavior that led to me getting it. And mm-hmm. like I really kick myself by not going for the gut instinct and erring on the side of 
paranoia and yeah. wearing masks from the initial stages of this. A number of my friends did, and to my knowledge, none of them got sick. And then while I was still suffering from COVID-19, I saw a New York Times article that the CDC had modified its position and then suggested Mm -hmm. that everyone wear masks. So as you can imagine, that made me angry. It made me angry at the institution. It made me angry at myself for not employing better instincts. And so I believe that that is why I got sick. So now Mm -hmm. in the aftermath of going through that experience, I wear a mask whenever I go out. I don't care if it's for a minute and a half to check the mail. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yep. I, I, I hear you. I mean, it has been a landscape of changing information, and it still is changing information. I mean, I think we know a lot more, but in terms of there's a whole bunch of questions that are still, you know, on the table, um, you know, how long will this be going on? Uh, how many waves are it? Will people be able to, um, you know, develop antibodies and become immune if they've had it? Or is that kind of not happening because it doesn't happen with all kinds of – it doesn't happen mostly with coronaviruses that, that that happens, and then that has implications for a possible vaccine um, and um, – you know, so they're seeing that people who have got it have been reinfected, you know, in fact. So, you know, we don't really know how long this is going on um, or, you know, what is going to be curbing it. Um, so that's also scary as well. Um, Lulu, did you have similar symptoms, in a, you know, to what Joe has described, or was the presentation of it for you entirely different for some reason? Because um, I know there's a number of respiratory things that, you know, Joe didn't really experience and stuff. We definitely had some different and some similar uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, the, of, the, uh, the, of the expression of how, you know, we got it or, you know, the symptoms so I know for he had more fever. He, I was really concerned about his fever. I would just, you know, and we didn't have a thermos. We didn't have a thermometer. Our thermometer was down in the basement, and we couldn't go down in the basement because we were self-isolating, and we had a tenant down there. So we, I just, like, kept feeling his head, and then I was like, maybe that's bad. I'm feeling his head, and then I'm getting the virus on my hand, and I'm increasing my own viral load. And, you know, like, I just, like, this yeah. stuff goes through your mind. But I didn't have the fever as bad. I had the fatigue right. at, at different times. Just the fatigue just, it's it just like it hits you like a truck. It's hard to describe. And then my, we, I was just so uncomfortable. I just had these weird pains everywhere. I had a headache for like three weeks. My back hurt. I had these weird like joint pains. Like am I getting arthritis in my hips all of a sudden? Just like these these pains would just kind of ping around your body in these weird ways. Like as though like, you know, the virus just like bopping around. Like You're like, what's going on in there? And I remember we were joking about like um, our COVID-19 tape, you know, and, and mine was titled, why am I so uncomfortable? And then Joseph's was titled, 
what well, it was um I don't remember the title of my COVID. Yeah, his tape was you don't come out of it the way you go into it. That was the title of it. <laughs> was that COVID-19 yeah. tape or yeah. was that the title of my sex tape? Well, we were kind of paralleling them, but you okay. know, we were saying, like, if you have a sex tape based on COVID-19, you know, and mine was like, why am I so uncomfortable? I just I yeah. cannot get comfortable. Yeah, Allison, I think in situations like that, just like in fiction, if you don't find opportunities for humor, you're just going to descend into the abyss. So mm-hmm. we had those moments where we did laugh and and things like that. And, you know, something that we haven't really discussed but is also a factor is when your home becomes a prison of sorts and you're there and you're sick, that means that your environment oh. is a germ chamber, yeah? So we oh my have a wa- we have a washing machine, right? Um, but for mm-hmm. a number of reasons, we don't have a dryer set up yet. So we were, and this is to say mostly Lulu because I was bedridden for a week, um, washing sh- sheets, linens, and clothes every day. Mm-hmm. And we were hanging them on, on racks in the house every day because we wanted to make sure that we weren't recirculating the virus, right? Yeah. So right. we had to constantly change the bed sheets and constantly wash our clothes and things like that. So that's a so it's physically exhausting. Um, it's emotionally exhausting. And then there's a second layer of exhaustion from the maintenance of a household. And thank God we had a washing machine because without that, you know, eventually you deplete your resources. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you were talking about how we don't know when we're going to get to the flattening of this. Um, one thing mm-hmm. that I can tell you for myself emotionally is that, you know, for those two weeks that I had it, I resented not having the option to go outside but then when I got past it, honestly, I'm disinclined to go outside because half the businesses are closed. The population is obviously to a less smaller number. Most people are wearing masks. Some people are not wearing masks. And for the people who are not wearing masks, I'm not happy with them to say the very least. I think they are dangers to society. And so mm-hmm. I'm not dis- I'm not inclined to go outside like except for food runs and when it comes to you know being an independent contractor being a landlord you're dealing with checks the banks have apps that allow you to digitally deposit checks so I don't see myself ever visiting an ATM again for the rest of my life on earth so you know, I I don't know when I'm going to get to the emotional place of outside becoming more alluring than inside. And I'm basically mm-hmm. removing clutter from my office, mm-hmm. cleaning bookshelves, things like that. So I feel like um, I, I feel like we're doing that in general. I feel like we're making home more comfortable since home mm-hmm. is the primary location. Right. Right. 
Um, how would you, yeah. I mean, are, are you thinking of doing something like going on a vacation and going somewhere else, how, you know, or is it not, it's not even possible, right? New York is on lockdown still, correct? As far as I know, we're on lockdown. Yeah, like New York is not, yeah, there's no leaving, there's no coming in. And it's funny you mention mm-hmm. that because, you know, yesterday was our one-year anniversary, as you pointed out. So usually on our anniversary, we would go out for dinner. So mm-hmm. in this case, we basically made ourselves, you know, to our credit, a restaurant-quality dinner. <laughs> and, you know, we had candles. We both got dressed nicely. And so we basically treated ourselves that way in the home. And so mm-hmm. really there's no, there's no immediate future, as far as I could tell, in which social gatherings are happening. And for me, I'm at the point where I am disinclined to use mass transit. If I cannot walk there, I'm not, I'm not going, (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. going. If I can't walk there, I have my local comic Mm -hmm. bookstores mailing me books. So, you know, home is really where the action is right now. And since we both have home-based careers, that actually mm-hmm. tracks. Been fine. Allison, I want to tell you a couple of things about the symptoms that I think are important. Like one thing that was really important, my sister is a virologist, and she sent us early on, oh. as soon as she found out we had it, she sent us a list of symptoms. She was like, this is the progression of the disease. And she's like, if you get to this point, like this is really serious. So she let us know that like the shortness of breath, any type of Um, you know, difficulty breathing, inflammation in the lungs, anything like that was really serious. And so we both just, I think we monitored each other really carefully. I would ask him a lot, like, can you breathe? Are you having any trouble breathing? I would listen to his breathing on his chest and, you know, monitor my own breathing, try to do meditation and do deep breathing so that, you know, we were acutely aware, I think, like, is there some line over which we cannot stay home, over, you know, over which we, mm-hmm. we have to go to the hospital and, and get help with right. this? It was, it was confusing because, like, everything online said, if you have this and it's not urgent, like, if you're not dying, stay home. Stay out of our way. We mm-hmm. don't have resources or time or people or you know, anything to deal with you. So if you don't need right. to be in the hospital, you were you were advised to stay home. Um, so it was just kind of, that was one of the things that was stressful about it was just really trying to very carefully monitor each other and see, like, is there some point at which it's it's not safe for us to stay home and we become part of that category that, you know, that needs professional help. Mm-hmm. So we were lucky. And I think, you know, partly because, I hope because of what we did, because we took care of each other and rested and and stayed, you know, hydrated and made like seaweed soup and tea and, you know, just kept drinking liquids and and taking things to boost our immune systems, you know, hopefully that, that all helped. And that's why we didn't develop anything where we had to go for help. Um, And then I wanted to tell you also the one thing that did happen after the first week is that, like, my allergies just got triggered pretty badly. Uh, I have pretty bad dust allergies. And then I had, like, this whole secondary wave of just 
um, you know, kind of aggravation and inflammation from my allergies, like on my back and stuff, on my skin. Um, So then we had to do like this whole sterilization of the house. And that's partly what Joseph was talking about. That was like added exhaustion, just like sterilizing everything and cleaning everything when we were already really, really tired. So that was one Mm. thing that made it that, you know, so there's kind of like there's waves. That's why it it really seems like a very wave-like experience to me, sort of like the the symptoms to me kind of came in waves. And also there were these waves of kind of like pylons, you know, where, okay, you're exhausted, but now all of a sudden there's a pylon of an allergy or like having to like clean the whole house, like, you know, to sterile, you know, sterile (laughs) um, conditions, Uh, you know, so my, so my allergies will go away, you know, even though we were exhausted. And so I think part of it was just kind of like, there's a layering and like Joseph talked also about the emotional challenges I know that when I went back mm-hmm. to work, I would feel really emotionally raw, and I wound up having, like, this huge blowout fight with a woman that I normally get along with really, really well. And I just, like, mm-hmm. I just realized I was too raw still, just, just mm-hmm. really upset. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, one of the really tragic and bad things that happened during this time was that our tenant downstairs, who was a very sweet elderly man, actually died. He he died from COVID-19. They came and took him to the hospital, and then about a week later, his family let us know that he had passed away. And that was, it was just on so many different levels difficult. You know, it was sad and um, stressful and and very, very difficult. Mm. Oh, my God, because there all three of you were having it, and then he had that outcome that that is that's very upsetting i mean you know what <clears throat> i mean how much at your time of life with the degree of the illness presentation that you both experienced <clears throat> but with the knowledge that if it you know you had the list from your sister if it had gone to this or to that <clears throat> it could have been a more severe case uh, so you're not only not feeling well and having to cope with it and, you know, doing all these things, but you're also aware. It's not like, for example, if you get a common cold, you know, or food poisoning, I mean, or a headache, you know, there there are many common things that pee, or even you have allergies or <clears throat> a thyroid condition or, you know, some of the many conditions that people have. Um, there isn't then that additional thing that this could be a mortal condition, you know, um, because, you know, we're not expecting that a common cold would kill us, for example. Um, So how did you deal with that part of it, you know, the sort of the psychological awareness and, you know, whatever emotions came along with that of the fact that <clears throat> this particular il- ailment had that kind of potential progression. Even I though, mean, thankfully, is, it didn't happen. It's like sort of corny, I guess, but, like, after – so I had that day. I went back. For me, I I had it – 
to a lesser extent than Joseph, and I was taking care of him, and I was still really, really focused on getting my work done. And that was, it took all of my energy just to, like, make sure every day I could still do some work. And then I got it really bad. After, like, two weeks, I just, like, I was back in bed, flat on my back. I was like, I can't move. I have to sleep. And then the first day that I came back from that, I was, I was after our, our tenant died, and I had this huge blowout with this woman. I just, I said things that normally I'm very careful not to say. I, you know, I curse. I like, I called something she had sent me a shit show. I was just like, this letter you sent me, it's a shit show. And I mean, just, it was just like, I recognize behavior that I ordinarily never, never engage in professionally. I'm always just really circumspect and careful as, you know, to the best of my ability to, to communicate professionally. So after that happened, of course, I apologized and everything, but I realized that I was just really raw. And um, they actually had put out this number in New York that people could call, like if you were stressed out. They had like a call-in number, and I, and I actually used it. I called, and I talked to a woman there for like maybe 15, 20 minutes. I don't know, 15 minutes maybe, and um, and she was really, she was nice. She had a soothing voice. She was sympathetic. She was like, what are you doing for yourself? How are you, you know, what things? You know, we talked about taking a bath and what I could do, meditating, to try to just to help myself. She said, you know, I want you to, she did like breathing exercises with me. She said, I want you to imagine you have like one of those big balloons, like, <clears throat> like a big, like those those little rings that you blow bubbles through and you're just going to blow a huge, big bubble and, and just blow into that and that's all your stress and then you're just going to like watch it float away and and that's your stress. And, you know, I just she talked me through some simple kind of like self-care things and I think it, more than anything, it was like the sound of her voice. Her voice was soothing. Mm-hmm. She was, um, I could tell that she cared, you know. She was. She said sympathetic things like, I can tell that you really had a hard time. And um, mm-hmm. it was, I think just that soothing voice, that someone being sympathetic when you're really kind of raw and and saying, hey, it's okay, I'm here, I'm listening. It was it was helpful. It was mm. it was nice. Mm. Yeah, for me it was a different experience. Um during the time um I definitely dealt with a lot of anger issues. Um I dealt with guilt because I felt like there were certain things that were unresolved and those things would affect um my loved ones and I um um, you know, you kind of get it. I mean, the thing is, this was a thing that was killing people on a daily basis, killing them in my city, killing them in my borough. So I had to acknowledge the possibility of that, and it makes you reflective on your life. And I think I started to go down um, kind of like an emotional stairway, and then Lou and I had a discussion that basically – you know, for you to heal, your mind is the master of your body. So your mind, so your attitude is going to have to be that you're going to get out of this, so that your body 
will respond in kind. And um, mm-hmm. so I really took that to heart. And then on my office wall, I have a quote from, I think he's a British writer who I'm really a fan of his work named Warren Ellis from one of his weekly newsletters. And the line, the quote is, giving the fuck up is not on the menu. So mm-hmm. I kind of took these things to heart and I said, okay, I've got to, I've got to reframe my thinking. And when I get better, I'll deal with these things. So then mm-hmm. when I did get better, one of the first things that I did was I called my lawyer because I don't have a will in place. And mm-hmm. um, I do have life insurance and Lulu and I have a contract regarding property that we own, but in terms of certain assets, how they get allocated, where they go, who handles things, I don't have that in place. And it's one of those things that I don't think enough people think about. And so that's something that I want to resolve. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now I'm really looking at my life. And I think before, like I'm a very driven person business-wise, so – I think my previous approach was to match the speed of the world, and the world is operating at 150 miles an hour. Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm operating at my speed, and the world is going to mm-hmm. have to align that, right? And so mm-hmm. that means that if 150-mile-per-hour opportunities come um, and I can't take them, then I'm going to turn them down because – Mm-hmm. No amount of money is going to be able to give me back 20 years of my life, right? So I've mm-hmm. totally – I've been reframing the perspective of how I'm going to live, and I'm in further pursuit of the elimination of agita from my life. Mm-hmm. So agita can come in the form of people – Adjective can come in the form of circumstances, so it's just a matter of it's just a matter of a mental and emotional reframing. And so far, that's mm-hmm. been working for me. Let's see how 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 long I can last. But basically, I want to be the tortoise and not be the hare, right? And <laughs> slow and steady mm-hmm. always wins the race, right? So that's the way I'm kind of thinking things now. Wow, that's really that's so interesting. That's a profound shift, uh, and it's kind of a shift. Uh, it's interesting to hear you recounting it from this experience, and it's also one that you know people have raised in terms of how we recalibrate uh, ourselves as a society to uh, you know to lessen the damage that we're doing. Basically, Lulu, you were about to say something. Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, no, sorry to walk on you. The um, That moment was something that I remembered really specifically when he was sick and I, I could feel him struggling. And, and I remember saying to him, you really need to focus on your on your thinking, on your mind and how you're thinking because your body listens to your mind. So make sure that your mind is saying, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Make sure that your mind is telling your body it can get better and giving it that directive because your body is going to listen to whatever you tell it. So make sure 
that the message is a message of he- of healing that you that you're communicating that to your body. And I remember that was a very specific moment that we had. Right, and mm-hmm. I haven't yet engaged the um, the free counseling resource that the city has provided. But one thing that we try to do every day now is we try to do an emotional download. So basically, you know, for like 15, 20 minutes, we'll just talk about how we're feeling. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because there's definitely residue from the whole experience. And there's definitely micro trauma. So the emotional download is very helpful. And, you know, you really have to know how to do it. It's not, this is what I did today. That's not an emotional download. That's a recount of your itinerary. It's how am I feeling? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're still, you know, having uh, completely understandably, and I think, you know, people are uh, because of the entire situation. You're having all kinds of emotional responses to what you've endured, the way things are now, the changes, um, you know, and so you, like, what, do you take turns where one person speaks or the other person speaks, or is it more of a dialogue? I mean, how do you do that? I think we go back and forth because sometimes somebody will say something and the other person will be like, oh, my God, yeah, and then the other person will be like, that totally haven't you know I was feeling that too or something so we go back and forth but we just try to make sure to listen and give each other the Mm -hmm. space and the time to really go through everything and get it all out and be like you know because there's I mean it's just like so uh, there's a lot of anxiety you know I can't get to a lot of stuff I want to get to one of the things that happened to me is just like I lost some time at work and I'm feeling overwhelmed and kind of like just panicked about my time. So there's, I mean, there's just kind mm-hmm. of like all these other exhilarating things, feelings, um, you know, trying to make sure I'm working as efficiently as possible because my energy is a little less than what I had before. So mm-hmm. I can feel overwhelmed, I think kind of easily. And then like the day can have these kind of like, pitfalls for you, right? So, like, my an attorney that we work with with the, with the group uh, texted to check in on me, but then it turns out her dad is in the hospital. So that was really concerning because she's really close. And so, like, even, like, what seems like starts out as sort of like an innocuous check-in can turn out to be, like, a really sad moment in the day. And you have to mm-hmm. productivity. Like, you have to kind of give yourself the space to be like, okay, I am, I'm having a sad moment now. I, I can't go back to the email newsletter right this moment. Like, I got to, mm-hmm. I need to. Right. Oh, I know just what you mean. Or sometimes, yeah, also it's kind of like, um, you know, stuff that's going on that's upsetting and you're processing it. And then it's kind of like, oh, and here's some horrible news that's just come up. And, you know, it's something that, you know, we have to be aware of. But it's like, no, I don't think I'll read that right now (laughs) because it's going to be an overload, 
um, you know, in the and with all the rest of everything that's going on in our reconfigured lives and everything. Um, yeah, that sounds like it sounds like you're in a good process, and I'm supposing too with you know spring kind of advancing um, out of you know into warmer weather and everything. Even though you're not you know going to race around that much outside as joe is expressing but still the sense that you know you're both there you're you know together you've been through this and you know the relief of feeling even if different you know well um after you know having had this experience i mean could you share anything with our listeners about that Um, yeah, I mean, the warmer weather, the, the brighter skies is great. I mean, we're really fortunate that we have a backyard garden and we have a cherry blossom tree back there. So seeing the tree blooming and seeing the growth that's happening back there and having the option to go back there, you know, for a short period of time with proper clothing and just, you know, kind of like, just lose yourself in the garden is really great. Um, and um, for me, um, just being able to talk about the experience is a good is a good release. So, you know, again, I think, you know, one of the things that we discussed that we're trying to make our home more comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. But the few times when we do go out. It's it's good to interact with people. I mean, I did a run to stop and shop yesterday and yes, we're all distancing from one another, but we're all a community. We all have the same needs. We need to feed one another, uh, or feed each other. We need to res- you know, we need to respect each other's space and that's happening. So, it's good to be part of a community. We have a great block association. People left us food on our door, which was really heartwarming. So it's good to reconnect with communities after the forced solitude and period of illness. Yes. Yeah, I think is really helpful. I'm trying to get back to exercising. I think the first time, one of the things that I'm suspicious maybe caused me to get so um, fatigued again was that I, I think I might have started trying to work out too soon because I was feeling better kind of in the middle of, of what turned – what I thought – when I had the COVID-19, I thought I was pretty much over it, and I started working out again. And then the next day, that was when I was flat on my back. So I'm kind of – I'm wanting to start, like, slowly exercising again and riding my bike a little bit and just trying to take it more – very, very slowly and carefully, but I think the the community feeling is really nice. We we do have amazing neighbors. They check on us. They texted us as soon as they found out we were sick, and um, like Joe said, left us food and and just really let us know that we were that they cared about us. So I think all of that is really sweet. I think your point about not engaging in the overload is so so important. I, I'm even now still just really careful. Like, I don't want to hear too, I don't want to hear too much media. I don't want to be on social media too much. Like, I just, 
I still want the house to be a place of respite. I'm still like fatigued and a little raw and it's some, um, I think I feel protective about, about us and about the home. And um so incredibly grateful that we had each other to get through it. I, I had a friend who went through it alone and uh, it was heartbreaking to text him and know that he was alone and he had it much, much worse than we did. So, I, we're incredibly lucky that we had each other and that we had it at different times in terms of the severity. That was, I mean, a blessing, if you can call it that, but it was Definitely. a blessing. Definitely, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's really that's really great. You know, thank you for sharing this. I think it's really, really helpful for people, um, you know, because we see this, um, ugly visual of this virus, which I personally find hideous, and I can't stand to look at the pictures of it. Uh, it looks so kind of scary and weird. Um, and we forget, you know, this is like operating in people. It's in people. We know the whole sense of contagion means that people, you know, are 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 kind of isolating with it if they have it. So, you know, I think it's really important for he, people to hear more stories and uh, share and, you know, realize the human dimension of it as well as the range of experiences because it seems to have just like an incredibly wide range of different uh, symptoms and experiences that develop. Um, so, you know, thank you so much for um, joining me here on Connect the Dots, you know, so that we could kind of share that with people and people can instead of, you know, kind of maybe feeling like, um, you know, they're going to be tracked or, you know, and they, or, you know, it's, 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 uh, something, you know, to isolate with that people can, can speak of it and, and it can be part of our, you know, unfortunately part of the shared common experience in these different ways that it presents or affects us through people we know or through our own experience. So it kind of, you know, it helps us kind of own and digest the whole thing um, and, you know, kind of do what we can to come to terms with all of this. So thank you. Um, thank you so much, Joe Illich and Lulu Freestadt, for being with me here today on Connect the Dots. Um, and so glad that you came through this together and well and are, you know, back doing your important work. Um, you know, for, for Lulu, it's um, on Smart Elections and Joe... Uh, is doing his, you know, his editorial and uh, writing work for his many clients. And, um, you know, hopefully at some point when there's no more social distancing um, or, you know, much less of it, maybe, you know, get a chance to see you guys. Um, but thank you for being with us on Connect the Dots. Um, and thank you listeners, too, for, you know, being the silent uh, partners in this conversation. Um, hopefully it's provided some resource, you know, for, for people listening as well. And, um, you know, continue with your recovery and healing, um, Joe and Lulu, in the, you know, in the aftermath of this. Um, you know, really, really, really glad um, and grateful for your sharing. Thank you so much, and we hope you stay safe as well. Yeah, thank you for having thank us you. on. And we really, I think, wanted to give the message that we got through it, that we took care of each other, and, and also that our hearts go out to anybody who has lost, uh, you know, a family friend or anyone close that 
you know, that our hearts are with you. So it, we understand it's it's difficult. Yeah, that's right. I have a friend who uh, her mother passed away, her elderly mother in another country, and she couldn't, you know, see her. So very, very, you know, very sad. Um, but there's, you know, and then people are coming through and surviving. So it's, you know, it's important for us to hear the range. Um, well, thank you again, and thank you listeners for being with us today on today's Connect the Dots. We'll be back again next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Progressive Radio Network. I'm Allison Rose Levy. Be well and stay safe. Well, well, well.